Good morning, and um, welcome to church. Uh, let me also add my uh, welcome to 2020, because I wasn't here last week either. Um, I was at night. Um, I wasn't here last Sunday morning. My wife's correcting me already. Um, <laughs> uh, I promised that I wouldn't sing this morning. Well, I didn't promise that. I was asked not to sing this morning, but I can't promise that. Um, it's hard to believe we're at, a, at the start of another year uh, or another decade. Uh, we're back to the roaring 20s, are we? Um, I don't know. Let's, let's define it otherwise. Um, I love the start of a new year. Uh, I love opening that uh, new diary or that new calendar and seeing all the possibilities that could be 2020. Uh, I love the start of a, a new year because it gives us an opportunity to start over, to reset. Uh, for some of you, 2019 was a forgettable year. Uh, it wasn't kind and you just want to do it better. Um, so we're at the start of a year. We get to reset. Uh, so it gives us an opportunity to reflect on the year that's gone and to reevaluate what's most important. So we start out the year and we decide we're going to approach it in a particular way. And it normally sounds like this. I'm going to get fitter this year. I read that one wrong last year and it turned out a little bit different. Um, um, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to read more. I'm going to spend more time with the family. I'm going to be more loving. Who's heard these things before? Who's said those things before? And I know we joke about New Year's resolutions, but I think there's actually some validity to making meaningful decisions or choices at the start of a year to make choices for our life, uh, to bring intentionality so that we can set the right course for 2020. So let me ask you, how are you going to approach 2020 this year? And this, year, uh, this morning I'm going to suggest something different. My encouragement to you this morning is just this, that you might approach 2020 with this, present Christ to everybody always. Present Christ to everybody always. Let's put it in another context and let's consider Dora of Hope's 2020 vision. We have, we're in the final year of our 2020 vision and our vision uh, for 2020 is to grow in hope, to grow in invitations, to grow in mercy. Doesn't it just make sense for us to achieve those things that we should present Christ to everybody always. If we're going to grow in hope, if we're going to grow in invitation, we're going to grow in mercy, let's present Christ to everybody always. Now for us to better grasp that concept of what it means to present Christ to everybody always, let's look at the life of Christ. I don't think there's ever been another human, there hasn't, in all of history that has impacted humankind like the life of Jesus. We're sitting here today as testament to that, more than 2,000 years after his life on earth, and I'm standing here today saved, forgiven, restored, I'm a child of God and I'm a, a part of the family of God. My eternity is 100% secure and I have purpose in my life 
all because of what Jesus did. Now, Jesus came to earth. He lived a remarkable life, a life of love, a life of power, a life of service, a life of humility, a life of compassion, a life of selflessness, a life of sacrifice like we have never seen before. And he came so that we could be reconciled to God. You know, before Jesus, we were actually lost in our sins. We were far away from God. We couldn't have a personal relationship with God the Father because our sin separated us from him. But thanks be to God, Jesus changed all of that. He took the sin of the world upon himself and died for us. Now, because of his sacrifice, because he defeated sin and death, we can be saved. We can be forgiven. We can be set free and we can be reconciled to God because of what Jesus did. This is what Jesus said about his work, his mission. Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. He also said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. I've heard it said otherwise that Jesus came for the least, the last and the lost. Now, we live in a fragile and uncertain world, no doubt. Uh, we've seen a lot of that over the last few weeks with the bushfires. We're in a fragile and uncertain world. But the world is full of brokenness. The world is full of evil, loneliness, despair, sickness, pain and helplessness. More than we could talk about. The world actually needs hope. It needs hope. Therefore, we're a door of hope. Our mission at Door of Hope is to be a door of hope through Jesus Christ in a fragile and uncertain world. And for us to achieve and to live out this mission, it needs for us to love and serve everybody, always. But ultimately, the world needs Jesus. Do you agree? The world needs Jesus. You know, when Jesus lived on the earth, he impacted the world like no one else. But his ministry was only short and it was limited to such a small part of the world. You know, if I was to plan Jesus' whole mission thing, I would have extended it beyond the three years. I would have extended it beyond Israel, but he had another plan. His work needed to go on so that everyone could find salvation. But wait, Houston, we have a problem. I mean, draw of hope we have a problem because Jesus is no longer here in person. He can't continue that work here in person. He ascended to heaven and he's at the right hand of the Father. So how does his work continue? Now, there's an old story that talks about Jesus after he ascended into heaven. He arrives in heaven and the angels have thrown a party and um, they're really excited about Jesus coming back and they're high-fiving and cheering and 
They say, Jesus, tell us the story again. Tell us the story. So they all sit around him and Jesus tells them about his birth, his life, the preaching, the miracles, the death and the resurrection and how he accomplished the salvation of the world. They're all really excited. That's awesome, Jesus. And the angel Gabriel said, well, now that you're back in heaven, who's going to continue your work on earth? Jesus said, while I was on earth, I gathered a group of people around me who believed in me and they loved me. They're going to continue the work. They're going to spread the gospel and carry on the work of the church. Gabriel was a bit concerned about this. You mean Peter, who denied you three times? You mean the disciples who actually ran away when you were crucified? You mean to tell us that they're the guys that are going to carry on your work? What's plan B? And what will you do if this plan doesn't work? Jesus said, I've got no other plan. It must work. It must work. There's no other plan. The church of Jesus, of which you and I are a part, are God's plan A. We're plan A and God's only plan We're the ones called to continue Jesus' work here on earth. There is no other plan. I might just grab my water for a moment. Thank you. There is no other plan. So how about that? You're God's plan A. Um, Jesus told told us in his great commission... Go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Elsewhere in the Bible it says that we are called his ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. It's fun for you to hear that particular verse again in the message version. It says this, God put this world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins. And God has given us the task of telling everyone what he is doing. Where Christ representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become God's, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Listen to that message again. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. So what's an ambassador? You're an ambassador. Um, Simple, really. An ambassador is a representative. Um, And we're all called to be representatives of Christ. So our mission, should you you choose to accept it, is this, is to be an ambassador or a representative of Christ. That's the mission. And your message is this, become friends with God because he's already a friend with you. Simple. 
Did you know that you're Jesus' representatives here on earth? You're Jesus' representatives. So represent him. Present Christ to everybody always. What does it mean for you to present Christ to everybody always? What does that look like? Uh, Paul tells us in Romans that rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourselves. Clothing ourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ is an action statement. It's something that we actually do, not something that happens to us. Clothe yourself with Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself. I don't know about you, but I don't always walk out my door every day showing Jesus to the world. You might look, you might do it. I'm not always at my best loving self, honouring, serving and humble self when I walk out the door every morning. I'm just not. Um, a lot of the time it actually takes a real conscious effort and a lot of Holy Spirit help uh, to present Christ to anybody, never alone everybody. Um, is that true for you? So clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Intentionally. It's kind of like putting on, I'm going to put on love this morning and I'm going to put on humility and I'm going to put on joy. We need to put on intentionally Christ uh, and present Jesus in the best light to everybody, always. Also, I want to tell you that to present Christ to everybody always means everybody always. Um, it doesn't mean to some of the people and it doesn't mean some of the time. Everybody includes our family, the people that we live with. And everybody includes those who are already in the family of believers. And everybody includes those who don't know Jesus. It means the least, the last, the lost. Now, why does it include family? Why do we need to present Christ to our family? It's because these are the most important people in our lives, that's why. Um, they need to see Jesus in us. Um, because these are the people that we actually have the deepest impact on. These are the relationships that generally impact our life for a, last time, a lifetime. Um, so we need to present Christ to everybody always. And we need to do that because we don't always give our best to our family. Uh, those that we love the most, those that we live with, present Christ to everybody always. Who knows that our unsaved family members need us to present Christ to them? Because we might be the only contact that they have with Christ. Now, why does present Christ to everybody always include those who are already believers? They already know. They've already got the answer. Paul said in Galatians, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Okay? One of the best ways that we can show that we're Jesus' disciples is how we treat each other. Uh, it says, Jesus said by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So it matters how we treat one another. 
We should present Christ to one another. Everybody. Always. You know, sometimes even believers can be left out. Uh, They can be lonely, they can be hurting, they can be grieving, they can be sick, hungry or poor. They also need the tangible love of Jesus uh, expressed through us. Presenting Christ to everybody always means being radically inclusive. Whether it's in the church or outside the church, radically inclusive. And I could have said just inclusive, but Jesus lived a life that was a whole lot more than just inclusive. It was radical. Look at the people that he hung out with. He didn't just hang out with the religious people. He didn't actually hang out with the religious people. He hung out with the unloved. The marginalised, the unpopular people, and that include tax collectors, uh, prostitutes, adulterers, lepers. He hung out with the unloved. He welcomed the children when that wasn't considered important. And he had a significant interaction with a Samaritan woman, which was considered outrageous for a Jewish man. And Jesus met their needs. He was even accused of being a friend of sinners, which was a badge he wore with pride. Friend of sinners. Now, if I often imagine if Jesus were here, who would he hang out with? I reckon he'd continue that pattern. I think he'd hang out with the unchurched. The lonely. Those who are being left out. Those who are struggling or sick or sad. Jesus would hang out with them. But Jesus isn't here in person. So it's up to us to represent him to everybody, always, in the home, in the church, and outside the church. So how are you going to do that? I'm going to share a story. Um, It's probably one of my funniest personal evangelism stories. Um... It happened when I was an electrical apprentice uh, with the New South Wales State Rail Authority way back in the 80s. Uh, One of my friends from school uh, had been charged uh, with drink driving and driving without a licence and he was banned from driving for two years and was given community service. So I offered to pick him up each week and take him to TAFE because we're in the same class and then take him home afterwards. Also picked him up every Saturday morning, took him to his community service, then picked him up afterwards, took him home. This is a guy who'd grown up in the church, he'd rejected God and was now far away from God. He was drinking, he was taking drugs, he was living with his girlfriend and uh, life was tough. So my uh, evangelism strategy was to play Christian music in my car every time he was in the car, every time. And the funny thing is I played this one song, you're going to hear it in a moment, this one song every time he was in the car, goes like this. Turn it up a little bit, I want you to appreciate this. Remember this was the 80s, so forgive my...
I didn't want to disappoint my fans. <laughs> you know, I would go even as far to cue the song on the way to his house so that it would miraculously start when he hopped in the car. <laughs> now, I can't recall how long this happened for, but it was every time he hopped in the car. Every time. It, it, it was probably months and months, but maybe even as long as a year I played this one song. And not once did he ever comment or question well, I did it, and I suspect that he probably knew what I was doing. And the real funny thing about this story is, one day we were sitting at lunch with a whole heap of guys from TAFE, rough guys, and I caught him singing the song. <laughs> uh, and he had no idea. Um, I love to say that one day he dropped to his knees and decided to follow Jesus. Well, I can. But I don't think it had anything to do with me playing the song. Uh, and it, was, it was, certainly wasn't me who did the saving. I just invited him one night to a Christian rock concert uh, by another Christian rock band that I often played in the car while he was there. And the band was White Heart. And that night he decided to follow Jesus and turn from his life of sin. I suspect it had a lot more to do with the friendship that we built or the kindness that I showed. Maybe it was the hundreds of times that I picked him up to take him to places that made a difference. Maybe it's the games of squash that we played. Maybe it was the food that my mum gave me to give to him most weeks. Maybe it was sitting with him all day in court the day he was... He lost his licence and I prayed the whole time, prayed the whole time that he wouldn't go to jail. Maybe it was the prayers that I prayed for him over the years. Now, I don't share any of this to big note myself. There's a whole lot more to his salvation story. And even other Christians that played a part, all glory goes to God, all glory goes to God. I met up with him recently, probably 30 years after that event, and um, he's still going. He's still going. I share this story because I, I believe we need to get intentional about presenting Christ to everybody always. My intention for this relationship was to be his friend and to show him the love of Christ because he needed God in his life, as we all do. And I believe that God expected me to present Christ to him and everybody always. And he expects the same of you. Let me remind you who you are. You are a representative of Christ. And our message to the world is this. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. What I want you to hear is that sometimes there also needs to be some salvation intentionality in our relationships with unbelievers. Present Christ to everybody always. Now, we often hang out with the unchurched. We often hang out with the unsaved. And that's good. That's what we should do. 
It's really easy to rub shoulders with those who don't know Jesus every day and for there not to be any salvation intentionality. We can go on with life without Christ. Why do we do it? Is it because we value their relationship so much that we don't want to offend them? So we leave Christ right out of it. So who are you helping to know Jesus? I love the story of the calling of Matthew or Levi, as he is otherwise known. It says in Luke, After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance, is what Jesus said. I love that Matthew or Levi had the courage to mix his two wells, to invite his tax-collecting friends along to meet with Jesus. All he did was arrange an event and invite his old, unbelieving friends and his new friends that included Jesus. All he did was arrange an event. He created an opportunity for these people to meet Jesus and to rub shoulders with the others who knew Jesus. I imagine it would have been really easy for Matthew to keep these worlds separate, as it is for any of us. He brought them together because he had met the Saviour, and the Saviour changed his life. And he wanted his friends to know that same Saviour. He wanted his friends to know that same change. And some people call these parties... Matthew parties. Couldn't we do more of the same? Create opportunities for our unbelieving friends or our unchurched friends to meet Christian friends at the same events? Couldn't we connect them somehow? Bring the two worlds together. Maybe a barbecue or go into the movies or a party, or a sporting event, any kind of event, come to dinner. Got a group of friends coming, non-church, church, bring them together. There needs to be some salvation intentionality. After all, we're representatives of Christ, and our message to the world is this, become friends with God, he's already a friend with you. There also needs to be some regular proximity with those who need the message. You know, it's easy to live in a Christian bubble where our whole world can evolve around Christian things and Christian people, where we go to church, we go to church activities, we go to church meetings, we go to youth, we go to connect group, we go to all these Christian things. And we hang out with Christian friends and family and it becomes our whole life. It's safe, it's comfortable. We can be... Christian, but this isn't the place that God wants us to stay. 
What did Jesus say at that party again? Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. If you find yourself in that Christian bubble too much, find a place where you can have regular interaction with those who don't know Jesus. For me, it's the gym. I have an unchurched friend that I go to the gym with every week, every week. Salvation intentionality. Or a sporting team. Join a sporting team with non-churched friends. Uh, park run on Saturdays. Um, I know these are all fitness kinds of things. Um, you can tell, can't you? Um, <laughs> I do it because there's people there who don't know Christ. I need to get fit too. But um, there's some salvation intentionality. We need to present Christ to everybody always. We can also help out our friends. One way that we can present Christ to everybody always is to serve them. If you want to make a difference in someone's life, serve them. Like helping them move or build something. Um, Can I tell you about a time I helped a friend build a fence? Um, uh, Not because I like the activity, because I don't. Um, But I love my friend and I want him to know Jesus. Um, I'm not handy at all, but I want to be there. Uh, It's intentional relationships. You know there's power, I'm going to ask the man to come up right now. There's power in an ongoing relationship. You know, Levi or Matthew's invitation to his tax-collecting friends probably had power because he had an ongoing relationship with them. He, they regularly hung out. There was a relationship, so it was easy to invite them to this dinner. I once heard someone talk about building these kinds of relationships, the intentional ones. Uh, in the community, by going to the same stores or the same cafe, getting to know the people who serve you. And this stuck with me. So since then, I've made a point to continue relationships with those that serve me. Uh, When my hair was long enough, I used to go to this same hairdresser every time, and you build relationships. Go to the same cafe every day, the same mechanic, the same doctor, the same whoever that is for you, and build on those relationships over years. Eventually, you get to know them. And you get opportunities to speak into their life. You can then invite them to things and maybe even pray with them. Because you've built ongoing relationships. They can see that you are presenting Christ to them. They can see Jesus in you because you've built an ongoing relationship. Lastly, presenting Christ involves actively inviting. We want to be a church that is growing in invitations somewhere along the way within the context of these relationships that we are building day to day, that we're building ongoing relationships we actually need to invite them. Not all of us can preach a sermon or sing like me 
or share the gospel in front of a crowd of people, but we all can invite someone to something. Take inspiration from Levi or Matthew. He probably didn't preach a sermon to his friends that day. He just invited them to a dinner, to a place where they could actually meet Jesus. My encouragement to you this morning is to invite your own church friends and family into a space that they also might meet Jesus in us and in our friends, where they might hear the message that says, become friends with God because he's already a friend with you. Now there's so many opportunities here at Dora Hope. I know this is what I really love about our church is that there's so many places that we can invite people to that are unthreatening. You can invite them to camp or a concert or Alpha or Flourish or GLS or a youth night or a children's activity, a movie night, a Christmas service, a social activity with other Christian friends or maybe even a church service. So invite them. Remember our mission is to be an ambassador or a representative of Christ. That's our mission, should you choose to accept it. And our message is this, become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. So represent him. Present Christ to everybody, always. Amen.